Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Morning. Welcome to our service. Church at 10, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, it's lovely to be with you today. Um, just a few, a uh, couple of notices very quickly. Uh, Mark has asked me to remind about bottle tops. Uh, that is um, uh, a way of, I think, is it fundraising for the, where's Mark? Oh, sorry, yeah. Is it a fundraising thing for school, Mark? School. It's for the school. So do, do, do do that. Do remind yourself um, of, of that. What's this? What's going on? Is it? Okay. We'll sort of that in a second. Um, okay. James asks that you please fill in your eco questionnaire uh, that was given out, I think, two weeks ago. Um, and uh, just put it in a box um, as you can do that. Um, just quickly to say that the reading is different to the advertised reading, okay? So the reading is from Joel chapter 2, not Acts chapter 2, just in case you're wondering why Debbie's preaching on Joel 2. That is the reason why uh, it's different to the advertised reading. Okay, so let's, uh, let's have our... We're going to have an open scripture, which is from Acts chapter 2, uh, and this is the Pentecost reading, and then we will say some words together at the start of our service. So this is the Pentecost reading from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So let's join together now in praying this opening prayer together. And so we say, we pray together now. Lord, as we remember and celebrate that first Pentecost, may it be for us as it was then, a moment of empowerment, an awareness of your glory in this dark world, a life-changing experience that transforms us and through us, Points others to your saving grace. Amen. 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 Uh, John is going to lead us in song in worship this morning, so may I invite you to stand as we sing together.
So, Father, as we open our lives before you, we ask that you would indeed purify, purify us of our sin, cleanse us from within, make us holy, holy to serve you in this world. And so in a moment of quiet, let's just pause before we move on in our service and thank God for his forgiveness of our sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you have dealt with our sin because of your death on the cross. You've removed our sin from us farther than the east is from the west. You have taken our sin away and you allow us to again start with you, a fresh start with you, to worship and to serve you in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do have a seat. Now, I'm hoping Rachel is in the building somewhere. Where are you, Rachel? There you are, Rachel. Rachel's uh, last Sunday with us as employed children's worker is today. And uh, Rachel's uh, soon heading off to um, do other things. Now, Rachel, would you like to come up and remind people what you're doing, where you're going? And because um, we want to be praying for you while you're away. So just come and remind us what, what it is you're going to be doing these next few weeks. Um, so first of all, I'd like to say that the money has come in, that a miracle has happened, and God has made a way for me to go to Israel and Brazil, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm going on the 6th of June, and the training starts on the 8th of June. There'll be two weeks in Israel um, doing lectures and sort of Bible training, and then we're going to have an outreach portion in Brazil up to the 10th of August. And then we're going to be, I'm going to be going on an extended outreach to the jungle um, in Manaus for, I think, two weeks. Um, so we're going to be sharing with people who perhaps haven't heard the gospel before um, and just praising God in the villages there. So, yeah, it's really exciting and I'd really value your prayers for this. Would you particularly like us to pray for you, Rachel? Um, well, initially, I think getting to Tel Aviv, the airport, um, obviously with border control issues at the moment, I just really want a smooth, a smooth journey um, and just traveling mercies because I'm not the best at flying. But um, yeah. Let's a few of you like to gather around Rachel at the front. Do come out. There's a microphone that I can hand around. So don't be shy. Come and pray for Rachel. She needs our prayers these next few weeks. So please do come on up. Lord, where 
enjoy the outdoors and God's creation. Uh, while they go out, Richard is going to bring us our Bible reading and then Debbie will be preaching. So this is a reading from the book of the prophet Joel. If you're following in the Pew Bible, it's page 914, Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things." Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains, because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locust and the young locust the other locusts and the locusts swarm, my great army that I send among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. For, uh, for Debbie as she comes to preach. Father, we lift Debbie to you as she comes to bring your word. Thank you for her preparation this week. Thank you for all that you've been working in her as she has prepared to speak to us this morning. Bless her with your presence. Bless her with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Richard, um, for reading that so well. Um, so we're going to look at um, a little bit of Joel's prophecy um, together this morning. And I think Joel's prophecy here is utterly remarkable and very unexpected. He is a Hebrew prophet and one of the minor prophets, says Peter has explained to us before. That means his writings are relatively brief. It doesn't mean that he was either shorter than the other prophets or any less important. And although we don't know exactly when Joel was around, as his book, unlike Hosea and Amos, Micah and others, doesn't place him within the reign of any particular ruling king. But it is thought from references made within the book that he was probably prophesying at somewhere around 800 BC and this would make him one of the earliest minor prophets. So when you think about it, it's utterly remarkable that perhaps as long ago as 800 years before Jesus died, Joel is prophesying about what began on the day of Pentecost and is still God's promise to believers today. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, we didn't have the whole of um, chapter 2 read to us, but um, Joel speaks against a backdrop of devastation caused by swarms of locusts in Judah. It's referred to as an army of locusts. Now I've done a little bit of reading about locusts and they are extremely bad news. There isn't just one type of locust, there are many different types. They come in swarms and they destroy everything, absolutely everything that grows on the land. Joel writes this earlier in the chapter, in fact it's chapter, chapter 1 and then part of chapter 2. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but after them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. This paints a very evocative picture, doesn't it, of the absolute and relentless devastation that Judah was facing. And yet, in the midst of this, Joel, 
lifts his prophetic eyes beyond the circumstances to see a day when God's spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And perhaps this is a reminder to us that however bad things might get in our lives, we can lift our gaze to the one who promises never to leave us, who is always faithful and who has given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to endure and have peace, even in the most desperate and desolate of circumstances. Perhaps there are also parallels with the locust plague and the moral and spiritual devastation that we see all around us here today in 2023. And so almost 3,000 years later, we can receive Joel's prophetic words eagerly. Why? Because we come to the same God of grace, the same God whom Joel describes earlier in chapter 2 as being gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. So the land of Judah is in complete devastation and Joel makes it clear that this is a punishment for Judah's sin in turning away from the Lord and calls them to repentance. The people are moved by Joel's preaching and turn back to God and that stirs up God's jealousy for his people as we heard at the start of our reading. It tells us in Joel 2:18 that God takes pity on them hears their prayers and answers them. And as I was reading this and preparing this week, I was reminded of the verses in 2 Chronicles 7, particularly verse 14, which says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And I remembered that a few years ago, um, when some of us were meeting together through one August, to, to specifically to listen to God, I think we were really challenged um, by those verses, and felt that they were really relevant to us as a church. And I wonder if they're still very relevant to us now. Because again, as I've prepared for today, I felt really challenged by those verses. Challenged to be praying for our leaders, our communities, our young people, our families. And to do this with a humble heart, I think that humility is absolutely key. That says we are broken people who need God. We need God, don't we? We need his forgiveness and we need to be filled with his spirit. When we do this, God promises to hear and to answer, just as he does here before us in Joel 2. Through Joel, God promises to completely reverse the devastation. Not just little bits of it, but all of it. He is an abundant God. He doesn't just give us a little bit of forgiveness or a little bit of grace. He doesn't just deal with a few of the locusts in our lives and leave the rest. No, he brings his work to completion. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, 
the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the swarm, and the locust swarm, we heard read. And also earlier on in the chapter, he sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Do you hear the abundance of God in those verses and throughout those that we had read? The gracious and compassionate God is going to pour blessings on his people when they repent. And so it is with the Spirit of God at Pentecost and right up to today. And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, declares Joel. Then hundreds of years later, the Apostle Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and announces the fulfilment of this prophecy. And Joel's prophecy is still being fulfilled today because like Peter and the first apostles, we live in the afterwards that Joel is referring to here. We live in the time where Jesus has completed his work of redemption on the cross. Christ has risen and ascended and he has sent the promised Holy Spirit. No longer is the Holy Spirit reserved for just a few people at particular times. In the Old Testament, we often read, don't we, of the, the Holy Spirit coming in drops, as it were, upon the judges and the prophets whom God raised up for extraordinary circumstances. But now it is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Everyone who says yes to Jesus. No exceptions, no conditions, no qualifications needed. One commentary that I read this week puts it like this. Joel declares that God will pour out his spirit in abundant measure, an overflowing supply. We are to be saturated and soaked in God's presence. This will be an ever-renewed outpouring on generation after generation. It will be the age of the spirit. Wow, we live in the age of the Spirit. Does that excite you this morning? Is that your experience as a Christian, to be soaked and saturated in God's presence? I wonder, have you ever experienced this? I'm sure many of you have. And I have both dramatically and also more in the still, small voice, the deep sense of unexplained peace, and both are utterly wonderful and remarkable. But I have to say that this isn't my everyday experience of being a Christian. It's very different to be looking at a lake from a distance, isn't it? Observing its beauty and its ripples than it is to be submerged in it, experiencing the cool and refreshing water for ourselves. Knowing what it is to be perhaps swimming out of our depth. So there is a big difference between knowing and following God at a safe distance, isn't there? And being immersed in his presence. You see, yes, the Holy Spirit absolutely dwells in every believer, as the Bible tells us that he does. But I think that to be aware of him in our daily lives, often we need to tune in 
We need to invite him to come and to awaken our hearts to him. As John said last week, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity and we can grieve him and we can also enable him and facilitate him being active in our lives. He doesn't force his way in, does he? And we have to choose to cooperate with him. And one of the ways I found it helpful to tune in is to start each day by praying something along these lines. Holy Spirit, be with me today. Help me to be aware of your presence. And please show me what we are going to do together today. Then as I go through each day, I try to build in some one minute pauses. I'm sometimes better at this than others. So perhaps as I finish a task, perhaps before I start another one, as I'm about to switch on my laptop to counsel someone or as I'm driving to meet someone. And this is an idea suggested by John Aldridge in his book, Get Your Life Back. I think I've probably um, mentioned this book before because it has um, a number of very simple and doable practices that can make a real difference in our walk with God through this often overwhelming life that we lead. In fact, it says at the bottom of the book, at the bottom of the front cover, everyday practices for a world gone, a world gone mad. I wonder if you ever feel like that. He suggests that we pause and pray, Lord Jesus, I give everything and everyone over to you. I release to you the things I have just done, and the things I am about to do, and all those people concerning me. I need more of you. Fill me with your spirit. Restore my union with you, and fill me with your life and your peace. It's simple. It, can only, it only needs to take a minute or two but it opens our hearts to God and his spirit and helps us to intentionally connect with the spirit who dwells within us as we go through our day. Now, I'm not standing here saying that if we do this, we're all going to be um, walking around feeling constantly overflowing with the spirit of God because we can't con control the spirit, can we? But what I do think is that, what I do find is that it makes a difference. I feel more in step with the spirit and less weighed down by the burdens of the day. And so I encourage you to try it. Put it in, the, in words that um, feel right to you. Because we live in the age of the spirit and we all have access to him at all times and in all places. God has poured out his spirit on all flesh. Joel goes on to say that when God's spirit is poured out, this can manifest itself in three ways. We may dream dreams, see visions and prophesy. That's in Joel 2:28. Now notice that there is no age distinction here. We're never too old or too young to be filled with God's spirit. Now I realise that um, 
some may disagree with this, but I think that there is clearly a supernatural element to what Joel is describing here. When we experience the outpouring of God's Spirit, we do sometimes see pictures and visions in which God gives us glimpses of what he's doing or what he wants to do in our lives, in our church, the community and the world. God is supernatural and he is a God who speaks. We may also have dreams where God reveals aspects of his plans and his purposes to us. And of course, we always need to test them against what we know of God from the Bible. But also, I think what a person dreams about is a sign of what his or her mind is saturated with. I know that if I watch something um, disturbing on TV at night before I go to bed, often my dreams can be a bit disturbed. If I'm worrying about something as I go off to sleep, that often manifests itself in my dreams somehow too. However, if I go to bed having listened um, to my Bible app, I'm more likely to hear from God. Equally, what looms up in our mind's eye while we're out walking alone often signals whether we are soaked in God's presence. And you can usually tell, can't you, whether a person has been drenched with the Spirit by whether his or her mouth is given to speaking words of love, truth and grace or the opposite. The fruit of the Spirit are evident in lives that are filled with the Spirit. And we're urged by Paul in Philippians 4.8 to centre our minds on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because this encourages the fruit of the Spirit to grow in us and it invites the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in us and through us. When God Almighty pours himself into us through the Holy Spirit, our inner life is changed, isn't it? It is filled with God. When Joel talks about prophecy, I don't think he's trying to get us excited that we will all one day be able to know the future before it happens. That would make us clairvoyance, and there's nothing holy about that. I believe and have experienced that the Holy Spirit does give us prophetic words either for ourselves, for another person, for the church and sometimes even a nation, although thankfully I haven't as yet experienced the weight of that one. These words may be given to encourage, call to repentance, guide or reassure about what the future may hold and of God's presence with us. This is the gift of prophecy, and I believe God still speaks powerfully through words of prophecy today. However, John Piper asserts in his commentary on this passage, and I think I would agree with him, that here, Joel is looking to a day where men and women everywhere will be so filled with God that they will catch visions of him in the daytime, dream about him at night, and speak of him continually with their mouths. Wow, what a picture of spirit-filled living. Imagine for a moment the impact we would have if this was true of all Christ followers today. 
Let's pray that it would be true of me and of you. And the best evidence for this being the case, John Piper says, is that when the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, the result was that those filled with the Spirit spoke the mighty works of God. The miracle of tongues enabled all to understand, but the very important thing is what they said. They spoke the word of God powerfully, and as a result, many, <coughs> excuse me, many gave their lives to Christ. So I would conclude that spiritual gifts are given by God and to be eagerly desired, as Paul tells us they are. But they are always, always to point people to Jesus, to build up the body of Christ and to glorify God. I think Paul's teaching in 1 Thessalonians 5 sums it up so well. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesying. Test everything. Hold to what is good. I think if we do those things, we can't go far wrong. Now, I haven't got time this morning to go into what Joel says here about the last days, as on this Pentecost Sunday, I wanted to focus on the Holy Spirit. However, I will say that Joel makes it abundantly clear that judgment and salvation go hand in hand. And so the urgency of praying for those who don't yet know the Lord and in living lives that enabled them to see the Holy Spirit working in us in a way that's attractive and allows them to want to experience this for themselves is very clearly displayed here in these verses. The day of the Lord will be both great and terrible, says Joel, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, what can we take away from our brief look at Joel 2 this morning? Well, I hope we feel a new excitement about living in the age of the Spirit. I hope we're hungry for, the, for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is always more, isn't there, as um, Susie prayed for Rachel this morning. I hope we feel challenged and encouraged to pray for our communities, our nation and our world to humble our hearts and turn them towards God day by day, inviting the Holy Spirit to be actively at work in our lives. I hope we have a renewed longing for others to come to know God and to experience the life in, this, in the Spirit that is available to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And I hope that like the first apostles on the day of Pentecost, we are all inebriated this morning, not by the communion wine, but like them, by the beauty and the greatness of God. Amen. Thank you, Debbie, very much indeed. In a talk, Debbie just mentioned a one-minute pause uh, from the John Eldridge book. And uh, that's a way that we can reconnect our lives with God. We can reconnect with his spirit, the spirit of the living God who resides in each of us. So 
as a way of uh, taking some time to reflect on what Debbie's been saying, I'm going to suggest that we all have that one-minute pause. And uh, what I'm going to do is read the words that Debbie quoted again, uh, was quoted from that book. And um, what I'll do is I'll read them slowly, I'll read them carefully and slowly, and uh, invite us all to have that pause uh, with God. So I'll, I'll read the words and, and in a sense pray them in your heart with me or say them to God with me and then we'll literally have a pause. I'll have a quiet for about a minute and then there's going to be a song that we'll listen to over YouTube um, that is called Spirit Fall. So let's pray. Let's be with God. Let's ask God to inhabit our lives by his Spirit. If it helps to have your hands open, do that entirely up to you and so I pray this prayer Lord Jesus we give everything and everyone over to you we release to you the things that we have done the things we've just done And the things we are about to do. And we release into your hands all those people who know us. And all those people that we know. We need you, Lord. We need more of you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Restore our union with you. And fill us with your life and your peace. Amen.
So be open to the Spirit as we keep going on in our service. 
as we prepare to take the bread and the wine. And as we do that, we're going to sing a song that uh, John's going to lead us in, uh, that will help us to again prepare ourselves and be keep being filled with the Spirit as we sing the song. Is here is bread, here is wine. Let's stand to sing together. Spirit that is poured out upon us and we pray for these gifts that have been given we pray that they'll be used to build your church so your name is known and loved and glorified Amen and so we're going to share the peace with each other the peace that Christ has won for us by dying on the cross for us 
uh, please do share this in a COVID-friendly way. And so may the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And share the peace with you. going to use a family-friendly, children-friendly liturgy uh, with, well, the children are still out, so whether they come in, uh, let's hope they do. Uh, the words will be on the screen. Uh, do join in as appropriate, and as you may remember, there are some repetitions of some words, holy, 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 and the idea is that you join in the word, the last of those three holies, so hopefully it will be clear as we go along. The Lord is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy, holy, holy. It is always right to give you thanks, God our Creator, loving and faithful, holy and strong. You made us and the whole universe and filled your world with life. Holy, Holy, holy. You sent your Son to live amongst us. Jesus, our Saviour, Mary's child. He suffered on the cross. He died to save us from our sins. He rose in glory from the dead. Holy, holy, holy. You send your Spirit to bring new life to the world and clothe us with power from on high. And so we join with the angels to celebrate and sing and say together, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and light, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Father, on the night before he died, Jesus shared a meal with his friends. He took the bread and he thanked you. He broke it. And he gave it to them saying, take and eat. 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After the meal, Jesus took the cup. He thanked you. And he gave it to them saying, drink this all of you. This is my blood. The new promise of God's eternal life, unfailing love. Do this to remember me. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ is alive. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father, as we bring this bread and wine, and remember his death and resurrection, send your Holy Spirit, that we who share these gifts may be fed by Christ's body and his blood. Amen. 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 Pour out your Spirit upon us that we may love one another, work for the healing of the earth, and share the good news of Jesus as we wait for his coming in glory. Amen. 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 For all honour and praise belong to you, Father, with Jesus your Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. 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 And we join in and pray the prayer that Jesus himself has taught us, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. We continue our normal custom of sharing the bread from the, the middle table and the wine from either side, and the non-alcoholic wine will be on that uh, table outside of the church, and the stewards will guide you forward.
body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. The blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. And so we'll pray this prayer together following communion. <coughs> Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Let's pray for those who can't be with us here in church this morning. Father, on this Pentecost Sunday, we pray for your spirit to come on all those who can't be here with us as well. Lord, we know your spirit is everywhere. Your spirit is limitless. And so, Lord, would you come and bless those who aren't able to be with us now with your presence, your power, your promise. And that they would see visions, that they would dream dreams, that they would do mighty works for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And so let's stand and sing our final song, our final hymn, which proclaims the Spirit is released on this earth. These are the days of Elijah. Got a wave of flag? Feel free. Let's stand and sing together.
So now as we leave this space of worship, and while so much of the road ahead is uncertain, and the path constantly changing, we know some things that are solid and sure. As the ground beneath our feet and the sky above our heads, we know God is love. We know Christ's light endures. And we know, Holy Spirit, that you are with us. Found in the space between all things, closer to us than our next breath, and binding us to each other. Until we meet again. And so we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. In the name of